0: The following message is from the audio ministry of Coastal Community Church. We trust you'll find it helpful and encouraging. Now, here's Pastor Chris Rollins. Good crowd in here this morning. Everybody's kind of rowdy because it's tailgating Sunday. Got my got my shirt on today. You see that? There you go. It was a great day for Clemson fans yesterday. LSU won, Texas A&M won, so that was good. Sorry about that. Um, hey, uh, man, really this is a lot of fun today. It's just, you know, the tailgating party, um, it really is just all about fellowship, just hanging out together as a family uh, outside on a beautiful day. Oh my goodness, probably the uh, been the best weather this weekend that we've had in quite a while. F- finally feels like fall-ish here in Charleston. So, uh, hey, Inside Your Bulletin is uh, one of these. We had this uh, last Sunday. It's a little blue insert. It's all about Coastal Kids. We have a phenomenal children's ministry uh, here at Coastal called Coastal Kids. While we're in this building, they're in that entire building. Uh, last month, I think we saw about 170 kids uh, on, a, on during on Sunday morning. And uh, so we're looking for people that want to change the world by changing a kid's life. And there's a lot of ways to volunteer. Uh, you can look through this insert. Uh, you just—it's not just about teaching. Uh, there's a lot of opportunity, so just look at this. Check the thing that you might be interested in. Put your name, phone number, email. Fold it, and then you could put it in the uh, offering bucket uh, at the end of our service. Um, Hey, also, I know a lot of you guys have uh, signed up to bring, to bring me candy, basically. Um, I, I, uh, I've been asked to participate, allowed to participate, in uh, Oakland Elementary School's uh, Trunk or Treat, and uh, I'm collecting candy for it. There's a table back there, and uh, so it's sometime between now and I think it's uh, Thursday the 25th. It's in the bulletin, uh, but if you could bring me candy. Actually, it's not just for me. Uh, we're actually supplying candy for all the teachers uh, for Oakland's Trunk or Treat, so we would greatly, uh, greatly appreciate that. That. Any of you familiar with the name uh, Jorge Rodriguez? Um, maybe, maybe not. Legend has it that he was actually a uh, Mexican bandit Uh, who operated along the Texas border in the late 1800s. And basically, uh, what he would do is he would slip across the border into the southern Texas towns, rob their banks, and then run back over the border and hide out. So Texas finally got their fill of this, and uh, they decided to send the toughest uh, Texas ranger that they could find to bring him in, dead or alive. So sure enough, uh, this Texas ranger found him. Uh, He watched as Jorge rode up uh, into the middle of a town, tied off his in front of a little cantina, and uh, then walked inside. So the ranger waited until just the right moment, uh, walked inside, uh, pushed open the the classic uh, swinging bar doors, and he pulled out both guns, and he caught Jorge right in front of him sitting at a table getting ready to take a drink. And so with a loud voice, he said, Jorge Rodriguez, I know who you are. I am a Texas Ranger, and if you don't tell me where you've hidden the money uh, that you've stolen from our banks, I'm going to blow your brains out. Now, the problem was that Jorge didn't understand English, but there was this little guy uh, sitting off to the side who spoke up and said, wait a minute, amigo, wait a minute, Uh, Jorge does not speak English. I'll be the translator. You know, you tell me, I'll tell him, and then he tells me, and I'll tell you. So the ranger agreed, and uh, so the translator looks at Rodriguez and in Spanish says, "This man is a Texas Ranger. He says he knows who you are, and if you don't tell him where you've stashed all the stolen money, he's going to blow your brains out." So immediately, Jorge Rodriguez answers back in Spanish: "Tell him, tell him, tell him that you go straight out of the door into the middle of the street, turn right, and go all the way down to the through the middle of the town where." On the very edge of the town, there's this very large well. Go to the south side of the well, count down about five large stones, and you'll find a loose stone. Pull it out, and behind it, you'll find almost $4 million in cash. Tell him, tell him. So the translator looks the ranger square in the eye, and he says this, Jorge Rodriguez says that he is a proud, brave man, and he is not afraid to die. So... Um, something got lost in the translation, right? You know, when it comes to the God that we serve, when it comes to the God who loved you so much that he was willing to send his one and only son, Jesus, to die in your place and in my place, something in 2,000 years has gotten a little lost in the translation. You see, a large segment of our world today is turning off to Christianity, turning off to the church, not because they are questioning the reality of the spiritual, but because of what they're seeing in the translation. It was Gandhi who was quoted as once saying, I do not reject your Christ. I love your Christ. It's just that so many of you Christians are so unlike your Christ. Ouch. But let me tell you something. That is exactly what what can happen when our walk doesn't match our talk? And that's what this series has been all about, losing my religion, about putting our faith into action, and that's exactly what James is saying in the passage that I want us to look at today. If you've got your Bibles with you, we're at the end of chapter one of James. It's in, on your outline, and it'll be on the screen. Follow along as I read. My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For a man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says." Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself, he goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue. He deceives himself, and his religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress, and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. So James is focusing our attention on something very, very important, How do we respond when we hear and receive the word of God? And and he's saying that there are two things that have got to mark every single believer. Every person that calls himself a follower of Jesus has got to be marked by this. You are to humbly accept the word of God. He says that in verse 21. And then he says we're to do what it says, okay? We're to receive it, and then we're to live it out, It should be as natural as breathing. Receive it in, live it out. Receive it and live it. I want us to talk about those two things today from the first chapter of James. So let's start with receiving it in. What are the marks of humbly receiving the word of God? James mentions three today that I want us to take a look at. If you're taking notes, number one, first of all, a listening ear, a listening ear. He says everyone should be quick to listen. Now, you gotta imagine this is very important in the first century, okay? They were an oral culture. So if you weren't disciplined in listening, you ran the risk of missing out on something, on missing out on truth, on missing out on information. Now, you know what's so interesting about that though? Today, 2018, we have, you know, more books, more information uh, available to us today and, and more ways literally to listen and receive that information than they could have ever imagined or dreamed of. And guess what? We are terrible listeners. We are. And so these instructions are even more important to us today than they were to James's first century listeners. And it, it kind of reminds me of what Jesus once said in Luke 8, 18. Listen to this. Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. So what James is saying, what Jesus is saying is this. When when it comes to the word of God, when it comes to God's message to you, give it your full attention. Be teachable. Be alert. Be prepared. Don't miss it. Be a good listener. Make the word of God a priority in your life. So that's number one. That's the first mark of receiving it in. Number two, a restrained tongue. A restrained tongue. He says we're to be slow to speak. In other words, you can't be a good listener if you're talking all the time. And guess what? God doesn't need your opinion. He just wants you to listen. Now, I don't think the idea is that you know we never speak, but when it comes to our speech, our tongue, we got to learn how to exercise restraint. You know, the Book of Proverbs is uh, filled with verses that address this issue. I'll give you just a couple. Uh, Proverbs ten nineteen. Um, don't talk too much, for it fosters sin. Be sensible and turn off the flow, shut it down, you know, he's saying. uh, Proverbs 13.3, he who guards his lips guards his life, but he who speaks rashly will come to ruin. So, again, what he's saying here is stop the talking. You don't have to talk all the time. Just humbly receive what God's trying to say to you. And then number three, he says, a calm spirit. A calm spirit. James says, we're to be slow to become angry. For man's anger doesn't bring about the righteous life that God desires. Now, I know many times when people look at this passage, you know, uh, be uh, quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry, they use the principles there to talk about relationships. And there's a lot of good principles there that, that do address relationships. However, the anger that he's talking about here is not so much of a, explosive outburst of temper as it is this inner resentment that just kind of smolders below the surface because in context, okay, James is actually talking about an anger in response to something in the Word of God that you don't like. You know, something that confronts sin in your life or points out an an error in your thinking. And he says our our tendency is instead of you know humbly receiving it, what do we do? We, We get angry, we get ticked off, we take offense. Again, you see, James has just got finished talking about how we are born again through the word of truth. And so now he says, Hey, be quick to listen, be slow to speak. And be slow to become angry in the context of how you receive the word of God and how you then apply it to your life. And he's warning us about you know, just getting angry or resentful about something in God's word just because it confronts you, just because it convicts you. you know, he's saying, hey, don't get ticked off just because you don't like it. Don't get ticked off just because it calls you out on something. I mean, because many times you'll hear the word of God and he addresses things like, you know, your finances, your family, your marriage, gossip, your speech, all those things. He says, hey, when you hear the word of God and it comes to you, you be slow to, you know, slow to speak, quick to listen, and slow to become angry. So humbly receive and accept the word of God. A listening ear, a controlled tongue, and a calm spirit. And now he talks about how do we live that out? Go back to verse 21, listen to this. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Now, it's important to notice here that there's a connection between humbly receiving the word and then just getting rid of all the filth in our life. In other words, what he's trying to get at here is that, hey, you know, one of the reasons why you know, the seed, the word of God, you know, might not be growing in your life, you know, one reason you're not living it out is all the weeds in your life. Now, the word that's translated here, moral filth, it's actually closely related to the Greek word that refers to earwax. Earwax. Now, let's get a little gross here for a second. I got a pimple popper video. No, I don't have that. I'm just teasing. We're going to... Is anybody addicted to that like I am? I can just watch that. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, don't worry about it. Anyway, um, but have you ever gotten to the point where you've actually had to have a doctor or somebody clean out the wax? Let's raise our hand. No, let's not do that. Anyway, that's been building up in your ear because you couldn't hear. Well, that's exactly what James is saying, that the sin in our life has that same effect. He says it it blocks your hearing. It becomes a barrier to being able to both clearly hear the Word of God, to receive it, and to apply it. Now, let me shoot straight with you. You know, I'm afraid that You know, one of the main reasons why so many people today, and again, this this series is about, you know, losing the religion because people are turned off to religion today. And one of the reasons why so many people who claim to be believers, you know, are so pitiful, so apathetic when it comes to actually putting the Word of God into practice, you know, applying the Word of God to their life, is because their lives are so compromised by the things of this world. That's exactly what this passage is saying. And that's exactly, by the way, what Jesus was saying when he told the story that time about the farmer who went out to plant the seed and the different types of soil. And uh, one of the types of soil that he came to, again, plant the seed of the Word of God was the thorny uh, soil or the, the soil that was full of weeds. Listen to how he explains that. Matthew 13, 22. this is Jesus. He says, the thorny ground represents those who hear and accept the good news. In other words, they hear, they listen, they receive the word of God, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by what? What does he say? The cares of this life and the lure of wealth. Wow. So no crop is produced. Man, Jesus, I mean, if there's a day and time where this applies, it's now. Again, one of the reasons why people are not seeing the connection, you know, it's getting lost in translation between what we say, what we hear, and what's happening is, as Jesus put it, the cares of this life and the lure of wealth. James isn't done. Verse 22. And he just, he just comes out and says it. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. Again, it's not just enough to receive the word of God. You've got to live it out. Now, in that day and time, in the first century, the Pharisees had tremendous biblical Knowledge. I mean, many of these guys could uh, recite large portions of the Old Testament from memory. So they knew their Bibles backwards and forwards, but they hated Jesus. Their hearts were far from God. And it is possible, it is possible for people to attend church, you know, lift up their hands and worship. And listen to sermon after sermon, week after week, for an entire lifetime. But if what you are learning, if what you are receiving isn't being translated into how you are living, then James says you are self-deluded. You are deceiving yourself. Now, let me illustrate it like this. Suppose for a moment that uh, you guys are concerned about Pastor Chris's health—that I'm not progressing, you know, fast enough for you, you know—and and, uh, so a group of you come up to me and you say, Pastor Chris, as you now move into your older years, okay, your golden years—I'm not there yet—but you say that anyway. Uh, we don't want you to, you know, let yourself go. You know, we 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 don't want you to have end up having furniture problems. You know what furniture problems are, right? That's when your chest drops into your drawers. Um, <laughs> some of you got furniture problems, don't you? Okay. So you guys get together, and you, do, you buy Pastor Chris a deluxe P90X workout program. And a number of you have been using it, so you tell me, Pastor Chris, this program can change your life. It is fantastic. It has changed the lives of thousands of people. It'll get you into shape. It'll make you strong. You know, seriously, get into this program and you will not believe the results you will get. And so I said, great, this is awesome. In fact, I decide that I'm going to take a 90-day sabbatical, a 90-day P90X sabbatical to dedicate myself to this program. But when I return, nothing's changed. Actually, I appear worse off, okay? And so you say, Pastor Chris, what happened? You know, didn't you get yourself into the program? And I say, yes, man, I love me some P90X, I do. I got a little wristband, P90X wristband. I got a little sticker on the back of my car. I watched every DVD. I read every single word of the fitness guide. In fact, I even underlined uh, certain parts of it with colored markers, and, uh, and, and I memorized a lot of it. I even looked up some of the words in the guide and discovered the history of some of the words. I even got into a small group where we discussed it with a bunch of people. So you get the point, right? You know, how often, though, do people who call themselves believers simply do that and that alone with the Word of God? You know, with today's technology, quite frankly, we can hear the Word of God taught and explained by some of the best Bible teachers in the world. I mean, we have more access to more devotions and more worship music and Bible studies and sermons 24-7. And a lot of people who call themselves Christians, and this is one of the knocks that the world has against the church, is that they have been lulled into thinking that just because they are hearing a lot about God and a lot about the Bible, that somehow they are maturing. And James would say, And what he is saying, that if you're just a hearer of the word of God, you have deceived yourself. You are self-deluded. In fact, notice the illustration that he uses there in verses 23 and 24. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Now, most of the women say, well, that's exactly what my husband or, I mean, they, they do that all the time. Well, that's right. This is the guy who looks in the mirror and notices, you know, in the morning, he's got major bedhead, shaving cream, still on his sideburns. He's got nose hair hanging out about an inch, you know. But as soon as he looks away, he forgets what he saw. And he just goes on about his business like nothing's happened. And James is saying that that is exactly what happens every single time. You hear the word of God and you walk away unchanged. Now compare that to verse 25. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this listen to this, not forgetting what he has heard, but what does it say? But what? Doing it. He will be blessed in what he does. You know, as a pastor, I get asked a lot of times about you know Bible translations, what Bible translation to use. And I was thinking this week that you know maybe some of you have a living Bible or a new living translation. You know what? That's what we're to be. You're to be a living Bible, a a a, a living translation. In fact, when it comes to the Bible, my opinion, you know what the best translation is? It's not the NIV, ESV, KGV, NASB. The best translation of the Bible, listen to this, it's you, it's you, it's you and I. When you let the word of God transform you, change you, again, humbly receive it in, and then live it out. And then James concludes this little section with three examples of what that should look like. Okay? Verse 26, anyone, if anyone considers himself religious. Now, stop there just for a second. Obviously, that term today and in our context here is kind of used in a negative light. I mean, you know, we're in the series called Losing My Religion. You know, today we make this distinction between being religious and having a personal relationship with God. But that's not what James is saying here. Okay, That's not how his listeners would have heard this term. He's actually talking about this demonstration of a true and sincere faith. If you have that, if you claim to have that, then you'll be living what you're learning, he says. Your belief will affect your behavior. And so he goes on to give us some examples. Listen to this again. If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue. He deceives himself, and his religion is worthless. It's like, wow, James keeps coming back to that, doesn't he? I mean, over and over again, you read through this uh, you know, five-chapter little book here, he comes back to your mouth over and over again. Number one, a controlled mouth. The words that come out of your mouth. One of the ways that, that people can know whether or not your faith is actually genuine is can you control your mouth? In fact, Jesus said it like this in Matthew 12. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him, and the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. In other words, listen to this. What's down in the well comes out out of the bucket. Okay? What's down in the well always comes out in the bucket. But I tell you that men will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every careless word they have spoken. Wow. For by your words, you will be acquitted. You'll be set free. In other words, by your words, you've you've humbly received the word. By your words, you've asked Jesus Christ to come into your life and to forgive you. And by your words you will be condemned. That's Jesus. In other words, our language is connected to our heart. And if your tongue isn't controlled by God, then it's a sure indicator that your heart isn't either. So again, according to James, according to Jesus, guys, listen, if we're going to you know, show a watching world what followers of Jesus look like and how they behave and how they act and put our faith into practice, it starts with your mouth. You say, well, Pastor Chris, what kind, of, you know, what kind of speech is James referring to? I think it's good that he doesn't say specifically. You know, I mean, it could be gossip, could be criticism, could be profanity, could be dishonesty, exaggeration, lying. I mean, the Bible talks about all those things and more. But I think what James is getting at here is Again, it comes down to control. An uncontrolled mouth is an indicator that your claim to be religious might be nothing more than a sham. Number two, compassionate hands. Compassionate hands. True religion not only puts a muffler on our mouth, it provides compassionate care. Again, look at the First part of verse 27. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this to look after orphans and widows in their distress. Now, why do you think James specifically mentions widows and orphans here? And I told you this was going to be important uh, as we made our way through this series when we started several weeks ago. Remember who James is writing to. Remember, he's writing to a group of believers that were in Jerusalem who now have been scattered all over the known world because of the severe, I mean severe persecution that they were going through. And so literally thousands and thousands of husbands and fathers have been rounded up, you know, put in prison, killed for their faith. And in the wake of all that, they left behind Women and children defend for themselves. And so here's James reminding the church, listen, and he's reminding us that faith that is real takes care of those who can't take care of themselves. James is talking about the defenseless, you know, the people in the society who are most vulnerable. Vulnerable. You see, we happen to believe that God has called us, his followers, the church. Listen, we are to be the voice for the voiceless. That that, that's a part of our very calling to care for, to love, to reach out to, to speak up for The hurting, the abandoned, the poor, those who are suffering in our community, in our world. Now listen, while I do believe that we are never going to end poverty, we're not going to end disease or human suffering, I do believe this. I do believe that you and I can make a difference. That we can change the world. How do we do that? One One life at a time. I believe in that. I believe in the power of one. I believe in the power of community. That together, together, we can accomplish more. So, what can we do? Well, let me share with you just a few things that we're doing here at Coastal. You know, the first Saturday of each month we have something that we call Saturday Serve, and it's like clockwork. You don't have to wonder when it's gonna happen, it always is gonna happen, no matter what, the first Saturday of every month. And so what we do is, we gather here, in this building, about 8.30, we pray, and then we have several leaders who kinda give a pitch, a quick pitch for their group or their organization, and then we literally just send everybody out to serve, to make a difference here in our community regularly, regularly, month in and month out. We have a group of people that head out to North Charleston to feed the hungry and the homeless there. We have a group of people that go over to Jenkins Orphanage just to love on and spend time with the children that are there. We have a group regularly that go to the Low Country Food Bank just to, to clean, to organize, just to do whatever's necessary. A group will regularly go to Brookdale Assisted Living Center just to smile, to listen, maybe play a friendly game of bingo with the elderly. Another group will kind of hang back here in our kitchen, and they'll make meals. They'll make meals to feed over 100 people at South Carolina Strong, an organization that's for uh, uh, veterans who need assistance. My Sister's House, an organization that that helps and, and houses victims of abuse. And then the kids back at Jenkins Orphanage. In fact, here's what I'd like to do. I'd like to challenge you today to put your money where your mouth is, to not just humbly receive the Word of God, but to put it into practice and to go ahead and make a commitment to come on out next Saturday, excuse me, to the next Saturday serve, which again is the first Saturday of every month, so it'll be Saturday, November the 3rd. In fact, today, on the back of your Connect card, I think I got one here, yep, on the back of your connect card, my next step, I will attend the next Saturday serve on November 3rd. We meet in the cafe at 8.30. Listen, put your, make sure your walk matches your talk. You know, it's, it's so crazy, but it's so many people that they talk about you know reaching out and serving and making a difference, and, and they get real political on Facebook, but then they don't do anything about it. And I'm telling you, we have so many opportunities here at Coastal for you to do that. You know, again, honestly, I'm just scratching the surface. There's Operation Christmas Child. In fact, uh, also on the back of your Connect card, I want want you to make a commitment to go ahead and come to, uh, you will attend the Operation Christmas Child wrapping and packing party on Friday, November the 2nd. You know, every year our church sends out hundreds, literally hundreds of shoeboxes filled with toys and supplies to go to children all around the world with the good news of the gospel. And right now you've got about, what, almost three weeks left for you to bring toys and supplies, basically anything that'll, that'll fit in a shoebox other than uh, liquids, something that'll melt, or something related to war. Other than that, bring toys, bring, bring supplies, Operation Christmas Child, our community food bank. We feed hundreds of people here at Coastal. Oakland Elementary School. We might, we might not be able to serve at every school in Charleston County, but by God, I'm going to tell you this, we are going to serve the, the, the school across the street. We're going to be Jesus to them. And many of you signed up to volunteer there, and maybe you've signed up and you had not showed up yet. Well, it's time to put your, your money where your mouth is, your faith where, you know, to put it into practice. You know, again, I could just keep going and going and going ways that you and I can be a tangible expression of the love of Jesus here where we live, work, and play in our community and around the world because that's what we do here. And that's exactly what James is getting at. He is saying, you can tell if Jesus is real in somebody's life by whether or not they put their faith into action. But you know what happens? We get distracted by the cares of this life and the lure of wealth. And we're not being the church. Paul said it like this in Galatians 5:6: The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through what? Love. So how do you know if you're a doer of the word? You got a controlled mouth, compassionate hands, and quickly one, one last one, Number three, clean hearts. Clean hearts. Back to verse twenty-seven. Religious that our Father accepts as pure and faultless as this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress, and and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. The New Living Translation of that verse says this: and to refuse to let the world corrupt you. You know what he's talking about here. He's talking about our heart. Talking about our motives. Now, here's the dark reality. When you are caring for others, when you're serving, I mean, when you're loving people and and, uh, loving people unconditionally, loving the hurting, the hungry, and the hopeless of our community and the world. You ready for this? Here's the reality it's easy to get jaded, it's very easy to develop a hard heart. Because you see the corruption, you fall prey to the scams, you sense the entitlement, and then it just becomes easier to do nothing, to become corrupted or polluted by the world and do nothing, just to start blaming and complaining, develop a hard heart. And James here is pleading with us not to do that. Don't let the world pollute you. Don't let the world corrupt you. Stay pure. Keep doing the right thing for the right reasons and just leave the rest up to God. We also have to guard from developing a selfish heart. I think that's the other thing that he's getting at As he talks about not being corrupted or polluted by the world. A selfish heart. What's, what's that? That's when... You're actually doing good things, but you're doing it for what you get out of it. You're doing it for all the wrong reasons. You know, it's all about you. It's all about promoting yourself. Hey, everybody, look at me. I'm a good person. You know, notice me. Give me all the glory. It's the exact opposite of what John the Baptist said in John 3.30. He, Jesus, must become greater and greater. And I must become less and less. A clean heart. Your motives. So, receive it in. Live it out. Just like breathing. Humbly receive the Word of God with a listening ear controlled tongue and a calm spirit and then live it out again a controlled mouth compassionate hands and a clean heart what about you today humbly receive the word of God listen here is the truth and I want to share it with you the Bible says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's you. That's me. That's every person who's ever lived this, on this earth. The Bible simply says we're sinners. Don't get hung up on that. Humbly receive it. That just means you've fallen short of the standard. But listen to me. This is important. The standard's not me. It's not you. It's not your wicked coworker. You know, we can always find somebody that we're better than. That's not it. The standard is God. And we waste a lot of time judging one another based on how far we think they've fallen short of the standard when the the reality is we've all fallen short because it's God. Now humbly receive this as well. For by grace are you saved through faith and not that of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Anyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God, will be saved. God God loved you. He knew that. He knew we'd, we'd make a mess of things. He knew we couldn't live up to the standard. But in his great, great love, for God so loved the world, that's you, that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have eternal life. Listen. Listen to the word. Receive it. Don't get angry. Come to God and Just thank him in in humble repentance. And and if you will simply ask him for forgiveness and put your faith in Christ, he says that you will be adopted forever into his family. You will be forgiven of all your sin. You have the power to live a kind of life that he is calling us to live. You can have that today. Bow your heads and pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, God, today I thank you for your word. I thank you for the, the truth of your word. I thank you, God, that, um, I thank you for a church, Lord, that um, we're striving to be the church you've called us to be, to put our faith into practice, to lift up Jesus and to be his hands and his feet in this community. God, give us clean hands and pure hearts, listening ears and a controlled mouth. I pray that we would humbly receive your word and that we would act on it. And listen, if you are here today and you are ready to act on the truth of the gospel, simply pray something like this. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to come home. I do believe. I believe that Jesus really is your son. I believe that he went to a cross to pay for my sin. He rose from the dead to prove his power over sin and death. And today, as much as I understand, as much as I know how, I believe. I put my faith and my trust in him and him alone. Not in myself, not in religion, not in a long list of do's or don'ts, but in him. And now, God, for the rest of my days, I just want to follow Jesus. I want to become more and more like you see me today, brand new, forgiven, and clean. And Father, may Coastal be the church here where we live, work, and play in this community around the world. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You've been listening to a message from Pastor Chris Rollins of Coastal Community Church. For more information about Coastal, or to explore what your next step of faith might look like, check us out online at coastalcommunitychurch.org. From Pastor Chris and the family at Coastal Community Church, thanks for listening.